But hello, church. Um, and hello to those of us who are joining us online to Williton campus and to those of us in the expanded city campus. So good to have all of us joining here today. We're starting a new four-week series called The Portraits of Our Savior, Portraits of the Savior. And it's a series that God has put in my heart since September. And I cannot wait to tell you more about what God has revealed to me and is going to reveal to the rest of us. You know, when I was a little boy, I always wanted to be a fireman because I, growing up watching all those cute cartoons about firemen, I thought that firemen's main job is to save kittens who were stuck on a tree. And I eventually abandoned the whole idea altogether when I found out in real life that firemen's job is way less cute and way more scary. But then later on, I became a pastor, which some people would say is equally scary. When we hear that Jesus saves, sometimes we immediately imagine that Jesus saves us from our sins, kind of like a fireman saving a kitten who is stuck on a tree. That it is the saving work of Jesus Christ is essentially a rescue mission. And while that is true, nevertheless, it is a very tunnel vision, one-dimensional understanding of who Jesus is and the saving power of Jesus. Because when we read the Gospels, if we read it carefully, we will see that the way Jesus saves is far more multifaceted. It's way more extensive. It includes the work of restoring us. It includes the work of revealing who God is, the truth of of God. It includes reconciling all of us to God and to one another. It includes redeeming us from our sins for the purpose that God has created us for. So throughout this series, what I hope to do is to be able to paint a more 3D picture of who Jesus is and the saving work of our God. And that's why we call this series Portraits of Our Savior. And if you're wondering why these four big portraits are here, is because every week, every one of those four weeks, we're gonna talk about one of these characters which is drawn here in the portraits. And we're gonna raise one character and how Jesus interacted with the character in, in, in order to save them. And this artwork here was produced by one of our very own, Grace Young. Grace, are you in the house? Is Grace in the house somewhere? Right there, ah, Grace. Grace, can you stand up please? Let's give Grace a big hand. Grace is one of our very own. Um, She grew up in Kinetic, our youth ministry became a Kinetic leader, served in Kinetic media, and then uh, in creative media in the church as well. So thank you, Grace. We're very proud of you. Thank you very much. Take a seat. So young people, there's plenty of opportunities to serve, okay? Next time it could be yours. (laughs) So why is this series important for our spiritual growth? Because if we miss this, we will miss out on the full good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. In John 10.10, Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. You see, the more fully we understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us, the more fully we can live out the life that he has promised to give, which is the full life. So that's what we're gonna do. So come every week, don't miss any weeks. Come every week, and can I say this? Come early. 
come early. You know, 9.50, all the car parks are all more or less taken up. So the earlier you come, the better you find a place to park, the earlier you come to your seats, and then the better your worship experience is, your word, and you're, better, you're ready to hear the word of God. I know some of us came in today and you were like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, sorry, excuse me, in the middle of worship. I know that describes your experience and it's not good. It's not a good feeling for you or for the people who are sitting around you. So come early. And last but not least, come expectant. Come ready because God is gonna speak to you. So what that means is also invite your friends, invite the people who have yet to know Jesus around you in your life and let them hear more about God. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, would you be highly magnified today? Will you be glorified as we get to talk about you? May you unveil the beauty and the splendor of your saving work, of who you are, so that we can see you better and love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. So today we'll unpack how Jesus the Savior is also Jesus our Restorer. So that's today's sermon topic. And let me start by making a point. Jesus didn't come to fix a broken world. Jesus came to restore God's good world. You see, many times when we hear about what Jesus does for us, He saves us, He fixes us, He, he removes our sin. The beginning of the story is always, I'm broken, the world is broken, there is sin everywhere, and we all know this to be true because we live in a broken world. There's pain everywhere, there's hurts and there's death everywhere. And that's sometimes where we think the story starts. But that is Genesis chapter three, which is when sin came into creation. What about Genesis chapter one? What about Genesis chapter two? And if I can sum it up for us, Genesis 1.31 says this, and God saw all that he had made and it was very good. You see, that's where the story begins. The story the Bible tells us is not the world is broken, and Jesus came to fix it to wholeness. No, the story is much more, the world was good, it was whole. God says it was very good to begin with, but sin came to fracture our relationship with God. It came to fracture our relationship with the people around us. So the world that was good became broken and Jesus came to restore it back to the way that God had created, God had intended for the world to be. So why is this important for you and I? It's because when we understand that the way God had created everything, including you and I, is good, we, we will understand that Jesus didn't come to fix you. Jesus came to restore you to how God had intended for you to be, to how amazing the life was supposed to be when you live with God, to how wonderful you are. Psalm 139 says this, for you, God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully, I am made with much attention, intricately and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. The psalmist is saying, God created us fearfully and wonderfully. Listen, can I speak with some of us today, especially for the ladies, but for the, some of us as well who are not ladies. 
Sometimes we travel with this feeling like we're not good enough. We feel like we're carrying the expectation of how people look at us. Our value sometimes is placed in the boys that like us, in how popular we are in school, in how many people viewed my video, how many people like my posts, how many followers do I have on TikTok. And our value is placed on those things and how people look at us. But let me say this, your value is dependent on who made you not how made up you are, how beautiful you are. The women that I know who can see themselves the way God sees them are the ones who will radiate and glow most naturally and most beautifully. You don't need no facial cleanser for that. You just need to know how much God loves you, how much God created you, and how He valued you, and how beautiful you are made in the image of God. So you are not something broken to be fixed. You're something wonderful to be restored, amen. So let me start by saying this. Jesus didn't come to fix you. He came to restore you. When we read the Bible, in the New Testament of the Bible, where we find the stories of God, uh, Jesus, it uses the word save a lot, save. And the Greek word for save is sozo, which also means to heal or to make whole. In other words, part of what Jesus does to save us or to sozo us is to restore us and make us whole again. So today what we're gonna do is to read a story of some women in the Bible, particularly one woman called Mary Magdalene that is portrayed right here. And how God, how Jesus restored her. So let's turn to Luke chapter eight, verse one to three. It says this, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Harold's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So what I wanna do is to unpack how does Jesus restore us today from this passage? Number one, Jesus reveals the good news. It says in verse one, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. When you read the news, when you read the news this morning, or maybe if you read the news the last couple of days, when you read the news, you're reading new news, yes? Not old news from last year. Oh, COVID just struck us, we're now in lockdown. Hopefully not. COVID is kind of almost over. You're reading new news. We don't read the news to read old news, yes? Neither do we go online to read fake news, yes? What we read when news are new news. That's the reason why news is called news because it is news. Some of you are like, oh, never knew that. Revelation right there. So it's new, number one, it's new. And usually these news affect how we live, yes? Who got elected, 
what is the latest restriction, what are the latest regulations in schools or in our workplaces, they usually affect how we live. And I say usually because some of us like to read news that has got nothing to do with us. We're living in Australia, but you love to read news about Timbuktu. It's got nothing to do with you, you know? It's not called news, that's called busybody. My grandmother would say kepo, you know? But the good news is that the, the good news that Jesus preached isn't just for busybodies, it's for everybody, amen. But what is the good news that Jesus preached? He said this is in Luke chapter four. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In other words, Jesus is bringing news that things don't have to be the same anymore. That things are different now. You don't have to be stuck in the same old you. Things don't have to be this way anymore. You don't have to be the same anymore. You don't have to be defined or imprisoned by your past anymore. You don't have to be imprisoned by fears and anxieties and panic attacks anymore. You don't have to be trapped in your sickness anymore. There is a new order of things under a new kingdom and a new king and his name is Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. He is the name above all names, the king of all kings and the Lord of lords. And he came to restore us. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. But there is more. He reveals the good news and the second thing he does is he removes our brokenness. Luke goes on to say, and also some women who have been cured of evil spirits, and he goes on to name them. Evil spirits and diseases. Evil spirits and diseases. What the Bible is revealing is that the spiritual and the physical are intertwined. They're intricately mixed and commingled together that they affect one and the other. A few months ago, I set out to change my backyard in my house. So I got, I didn't know how to do it myself and it's quite sizable. So I needed to get a landscaper to come and sort it out for me and try to figure out how to change my landscape and my backyard. So we got a good quote, a pretty good price that was competitive, something we could afford. And then we say, okay, we'll settle for that. And then the site works began, right? And what they normally do is they wipe clean everything, you know, they destroy all the trees, all the plants, all the dirt, and they try to dig everything out so that they can put new things in. So two weeks into the works, things got stalled. And then my landscaper came up to me and he said, um, we need to have a chat. And that's the worst news, because you can ex almost expect, ah, more money, more money, that's what he's gonna ask. And he came up and he said, lo and behold, he said, Dan, unless we get rid of the roots in your backyard, we're not gonna be able to do anything. And he said, I have done many houses in my life, 
In all these years, I have not seen any house with a backyard with as many roots as yours and as big roots as the ones you have in the underground, on the, on the ground. I was like, oh no. And then he goes on to say, we need to get a bobcat excavator. Ding, 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 ding. $700 more. <laughs> Lo and behold, there it was. And I was really struggling for a few days. Like, oh, I'm not really prepared to pay all that. Is there anything that I can do? Like, can I shovel it out? Can I use my hands to pull it out? He says, no, it's too big and it's too many. Unless we get rid of the roots, you can't do anything. And I feel that God is saying the same thing to us today. Unless you get rid of the roots in your life, God can't do anything with your life. God can't use you unless you begin to take out some of the spiritual roots that have taken hold of your life for the longest time. In the same way, some of us, our struggles in life persist because of the spiritual roots that are in our lives. And what are these spiritual roots? The Bible says in Romans 5, therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, that is Adam, because he sinned, and through the first man, all, everyone became a sinful person. Sin entered the world through one man, and listen to this, and death through sin. They're intertwined, remember? They're intermingled. And in this way, death came to all people because all sin. The Bible tells us that every disorder, every disease, every death stems from one spiritual disease. And that spiritual disease is called sin. Sin. Now we know this to be true. If you want to be healthy on the outside, you got to be healthy on the inside. Yes? I'm getting older and someone reminded me yesterday I needed to take my zinc supplements and my um, other vitamin supplements. If I want to be healthy on the outside, I got to take care of the inside. Some of you young ones, you got to take care of what you eat on the inside. You got to stop eating greasy stuff, mate. You got to stop eating all those chips, mate, so that you can have less pimples. If you take care of the inside, you will take care of the outside. Some of us are eating organic fruits and organic food. That is great because when you take care of the inside, when you're healthy on the inside, you will be healthy on the outside. If we want good fruits in our lives on the outside, we got to get rid of those bad roots inside. Otherwise, any other kind of treatment is at best a band-aid or a quick fix. But Jesus didn't come to fix us, did he? He came to restore us. Romans 3 says this. I love the message version, how Eugene Peterson writes this for us. Famous verse. Um, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember that? This is how he writes it. Jesus got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he had always wanted us to be. God did this by means of Jesus Christ. So the answer is Jesus Christ. Some of us right now, okay, Pastor Dan, I get it. I'm a Christian. I've already prayed for Jesus to come into my life and to remove my sins. So what about all this? Like, I'm still not getting healed. I'm still struggling my sin. I'm still struggling in life. I'm still broke, broken in my relationships and in my marriages. What about all this? 
Let me show you what God showed me as I studied this week. James chapter five, verse 14 to 16. James write this. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Jesus himself will raise them up, restore them. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This is not written to non-Christians. This is written to Christians. The Greek word for healed here is a conditional verb. It's what we call a conditional verb, which means to say that action can only take place if the conditions are met. In other words, if we meet the conditions, then healing may happen. But if we don't meet these conditions, then healing won't ever happen. The big question is, what are these conditions? James tells us to confess our sins and pray. And he is the key. With other Christians with the people of God, with the person sitting next to you and around you in your connect groups. Not those kind of prayers where it is private, Jesus and me, I've come to do business with God. It's not those kind of prayers where we make in our private prayer closet. It's not those kind of prayers where every eye closed and every head bowed, who needs healing, who needs deliverance. No, it's those kind of prayers that is bold. It's honest, it's authentic. It's the ones where we come together and say, I have sinned, I'm struggling, I'm going really hard in life. You need to tell someone else about what you're going through and humbly ask for prayers. Bro, I really messed up this week, can you please pray for me? Sis, I really need help this week, it's just been so rough, can you pray for me? Pastor, I'm struggling, really struggling right now in my sin, in my addiction. Can you please pray for me? It's those kind of prayers that we're talking about. Because brothers and sisters, if you wanna keep sin out, you gotta let people in. If you wanna keep sin out, you gotta let people into your life. And some of y'all might be feeling right now really uncomfortable. Pastor Dan, you're meddling. Pastor Dan, you're poking at my life. You're making me feel really uncomfortable right now. Can I just say that that's my job as a pastor? <laughs> Someone wise once said that our job as pastors is to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. And I promise you that the comfort will come later in the next point. <laughs> but right now, God is speaking to us and God is speaking to you. Some of us, you need to come clean. Some of us, you need to relate your struggle with someone right now. The reason why you are struggling and not receiving healing in your life, in your relationships, in your addictions, is because no one knows. You haven't told anyone. You haven't confessed your sins. You haven't confessed your sins. You haven't prayed with someone. Because here's the truth. And by the way, I didn't come up with this, okay? This is what the Bible says, yes? Confess your sins to one another. I didn't come up with this. God said it. And here's the truth. 
Revealing your struggling is the beginning of healing. Revealing that you're struggling is the beginning of your healing. Do you need to be healed from your sickness today? Maybe it starts here, right here today. Because you're in the midst of many people who are Christians. You're in the midst of people who maybe you can even trust. Maybe it begins here today. Do you need to be healed from your cycles of addiction? You know that that's not what you're supposed to do. You've been fighting it. You've been pushing against it. You've mustered all your strength and all your willpower, but at the end of the day, you still fall flat. And the cycle begins again. Are you sick of this cycle of addiction? Rinse and repeat, as Ahmed says, then maybe it starts here today. Are you, do you need to be healed from your chains of anxiety, your panic attacks that come in the middle of the night? And no one knows what you're going through. Maybe it starts here today. Do you want to see healing in your marriage? Do you want to see healing in your relationships with your children? Maybe it starts here today. The Bible says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Jesus doesn't want to fix us. He wants to restore us. And when Jesus begins to do that restoration work, where he removes our sins and begins to restore us, here's what happens. Number three, Jesus restores us to wholeness. Luke, verse, Luke chapter eight, verse two says this, and also some women who have been cured of evil spirits and diseases. The word cured in Greek is the word therapeuo, where we get the English word therapy. Therapeuo for therapy. And in today, there are all kinds of therapies. Some of y'all work in therapies, isn't it? It ranges from physiotherapy to aromatherapy. It ranges from speech therapy to, would you believe it, maggot therapy. It ranges from psychotherapy to even Tai Chi therapy. I don't know what that is about, okay, but it's the thing. And the reason why there are all kinds of therapies is because it takes all kinds of therapies to fix all parts of us. Therapy is meant to be holistic. And that's what therapeuo means. It simply means holistically healed restored to whole health as a whole being. A whole being, the Bible has a word for that. It's the Greek word suke, which translates soul. The kind of restoration that God does is not just skin deep, it is soul deep. God wants to restore your soul. Friends, Jesus doesn't just wanna heal your body today, he wants to heal your soul. Because God knows that soul wounds are much more difficult to heal than body wounds. You see, a bruise and a cut on your skin takes days to heal. But a broken heart can take years to heal. You see, a fractured bone maybe takes years to heal, or months to heal. But a fractured relationship can last for decades. We know that to be true, isn't it? So the kind of restoration that Jesus wants to do it's soul, your soul as well. Jesus didn't come to fix you. Jesus came to restore you. And I know some of us have been traveling with the pain of broken marriages, your broken marriage, or your broken relationships. And I know we're tired, we're exhausted. 
Jesus wants to restore you today. I know some of us have been going through trauma because of something or someone did to you where they were supposed to protect you, but they didn't, they abused you. And so we feel numb, we feel alone, we feel angry, we feel guilty, maybe even ashamed. Jesus wants to heal you. I know some of us today, you're here amongst us, you walk through these doors, but you have even been thinking about taking your own life. You're sick of this, you're tired, you're hopeless. You don't see any value in living past today. Jesus wants to restore you. I know some of us have been asking for healing in our bodies for a long time and it hasn't come. And we are disappointed, we're discouraged, we're disheartened. Jesus wants to heal that part of you as well. I'm, I'm reminded of the story of a person called Nick Vujicic. A man who was born without limbs. He's got no arms and no legs. He's the founder of an organization called Life Without Limbs. And some of you might know him already by face. Nick is a famous speaker that goes all around the world to tell us about what life could be with Jesus. And he wrote many books. One of his great books is called Unstoppable. And in his book, he talked about how God never healed his body, but God healed his soul. And he writes this for us. Can God heal you? Yes, and that may be his plan. Or maybe it isn't. It is impossible to know. So walk in faith every day, knowing that God knows best. I have not received the miracle of arms and legs that I have sought, but I have experienced the miraculous joy and peace and trust of faith. And that is more of a miracle than any illness cured. After all, you can be healed of cancer and still be miserable, taking everything in life for granted. By faith today, I honestly have the joy of seeing lives transformed. And this is huge. You may rejoice that you have limbs, but each day I rejoice that I do not. So what is Nick saying here? We can have a healthy body and still be miserable or you can be missing limbs and still be living God's best life for you. And the difference boils down to one word, God. Look at what Nick says, goes on to say this. The greatest miracle is a transformation from the inside out. So believe that a miracle will come, but know that even if it doesn't, God has a plan for you. The greatest purpose is to know God as a friend and to have the blessing of going home to heaven where no pain, no sickness, no hardship will ever find you. Friends, God has a plan and a purpose for you. And that is for you to know His Son, Jesus Christ, and to live life with Him. The answer to all the questions in your life the answer to all the dilemma in your life, your life quest for meaning and purpose isn't found in the validation of other people, how many liked you, how many people are following you. It doesn't lie in your degree. What degree did you get? What degree did you fail to get? It doesn't lie in your street address. It doesn't even lie in your kids. It rests on Jesus. 
Only the, only the Son of God can bring you meaning and healing in your life. Jesus didn't come to fix you. He came to restore you. Psalm 23 says this, and I love this psalm. It says this, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one who leads me. And he says, I shall not want. Or in other versions, it says, I lack nothing. There's nothing more that I need in life when the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows where are the good places for me. He knows where to bring me. Oh, he knows how to fuel and to feed my soul. He leads me beside still waters. He knows how to protect me. He knows how to nourish and to refresh me. And then he goes on to say this, he restores my soul. And at the end of the Psalm, he ends off, what happens when God restores our soul? He says this, he ends off with this, surely, or in some translations, only this, surely your goodness and love, your mercy, your steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life and I will get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what Jesus does when he restores us. The Bible reveals that when our souls are restored, we can live a life full of God's goodness and love. You know, a wise man once said this, a long life may not be good enough, but a good life is long enough. But with God, we get both. You see, with God, we get to experience His goodness and love all the days of our life on earth. And at the end of it, still to continue like that with Him forever. Jesus doesn't want to fix you. Jesus wants to restore you. Where do you start? by letting him into your life, by letting him lead you, by letting him have the steering wheel of your life and he will restore you, body, soul, and spirit. I wanna close off with this. What happens when Jesus restores us? What happened to Mary Magdalene when Jesus restored her? Let's look at what happens and then we'll learn from it for ourselves. Number one, we can better care for other people. In Matthew 27, the Bible records this. Many women were there at the cross when Jesus was dying. They were watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus, you see, from Galilee to what? To care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene and a few other women. You see, after Jesus restored her, Mary Magdalene was in turn able to care for his needs. The one who needed care is now able to care for other people. Want to turn around. How many of us want a better care for your spouses and for your family? Raise your hands. If your spouse is sitting next to you and your hands are not raised, stare at them. <laughs> Keep your hands up. How many of us want to be better leaders? Also raise your hands. Good. How many of us want to be better friends? Also raise your hands. Keep your hands up. Amazing. Now look at the hands around you. Now keep your hands up. Look at the hands around you. If every single one of us who has our hands up has been restored by God and can care no longer just for our needs, but for the people around us, imagine what kind of a church can we be? 
What kind of a church will we be if all we care about no longer is just for our needs because God has supplied our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus, but now we can now care for other people. This is the truth. Those under God's care, care better for others. And the second thing that happens to us when Jesus restores us is this, we can better serve God's purpose. Luke 8 verse 3 goes on to say this, these women, including Mary Magdalene, were helping to support Jesus and the disciples out of their own means, out of their own pockets. The Greek word for support here is the word diakoneo, which means to serve or to minister, to help. Jesus restored her and Mary Magdalene was then able to serve God's purpose by supporting Jesus' ministry. Now that's God's purpose for Mary. God's purpose for you and I could be very different. But the first step towards serving God well is still the same, which is to let Jesus restore us. If you want to discover God's plan in your life, if you want to be able to serve without hindrances, without barriers, freely, if you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life, then you need to let Jesus restore you first. Because here's another thing that happens. Those God restores can better serve His purpose. So we can better care for other people. We can better serve God's purpose. What is number three? We can better share the good news. Very quickly, John 20 says this, Jesus rose from the grave and Jesus came out of the tomb and He appeared to the first person. Jesus said to her, who is this? Lo and behold, Mary Magdalene. Jesus said to Mary, Mary. She turned toward Him and cried out in Aramaic, Rebboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, Mary, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers, my disciples, and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and shared with them the good news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that these things that He had said to her. You see, after Jesus restored Mary, she became a powerful broadcaster of the good news. In fact, the Bible records in every single gospel, all four of them, that Mary is the first person to see the resurrected Jesus face to face. And she was the very first evangelist in every single gospel. She went to the disciple first to say, He's alive. Jesus is alive. So what happens to those who are restored? Those God restores have a story to tell. And we have the ability to share His story and His good news to the people around us. That's what happens when Jesus restores us. There's a story of a famous international painter who's world-renowned, hasn't gone home for a long time. And one day he decided, after many decades, to go back to the small town where he grew up in. And he was walking along the streets and he passed by this antique store with a window, a display window of what they're selling. And to his shock, he saw one of his old masterpieces from before he became famous at the display window. It looked very different. It was dusty. It was scratched. The frames were falling apart. There were cuts. The color was running but he knew it was his masterpiece. But he couldn't just go into that shop and say, that's mine, I want it back. 
He wanted to bring it back to life, to restore it, but he couldn't say, that's mine. He needed to go into the shop and say, I need to pay for this. How much? And he paid out of his own pocket to buy back that masterpiece. And then he reframed it. And then he restored it. And then he dusted it off. He gave a touch-up of some of the paint. But he restored it back to his original glory. See, that's what Jesus did for us. He went on the cross to die on the cross for our sins. He paid the cost that we could not pay to buy us back so that He can restore us. He didn't come to fix you. He came to restore you. Would you allow Him to restore you today? And that goes for Christians or non-Christians alike. That goes for any one of us who's joining us in the campuses. Bow your heads with me, church. Would you allow Him to restore you and heal you this morning? Some of us walked in today and you're not a Christian. You never had Jesus into your life. Or some of us have been Christians maybe in the past, but then we've been so far away from God where our relationship with God is as good as zero. And that describes you today. I want to let you know that Jesus is here and He wants into your life. He wants to come into your life. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal you. He wants to put back all the broken pieces of your life to make you whole again. He knows what's going on in your life and He wants to come in. And if that's you today, I want to pray with you. If that's you today, what I want to do, what I want you to do is just to raise your hand so that I know who I'm praying for. And if that's you today, would you raise your hands right now where you are? You want to receive Jesus in your life. I see the hand right there on the right side. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I see the hand right there at the back. Right there. Keep your hands up. I see the hand right there. I see the hand right there. City campus is the same. If you're in city campus, would you raise your hand as well? Keep your hands up. I see the hand right there on the left, the young lady. I see the hand on the left as well, another young lady. I want to thank you for being brave. Jesus is going to come into your life. He's going to take over. Keep your hands up. Church, if you've got someone whose hands are raised around you, can you just stretch your hands out towards them? Remember, this is not an every eye closed, every head bowed kind of a moment. If you've got someone whose hands, if you've got your hands up, please raise it high. No, we're not going to do anything to you. Someone is just going to, or well, people around you is going to put their hands towards you and pray for you. Right there. Right there. That's good. Right there. Right there as well. The city campus as well. If you're watching this from online and you're, you're amongst people who are raising their hands, would you stretch your hands towards them as well? Let's bow and pray. And if your hands are up and you want to receive Jesus into your life, I want you to pray with me. Just follow the words. At church, you say this with them, okay? Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I recognize that I have sin in my life, but I know that you can save me from it. Would you come into my life right now and take away my sin and restore me so that I can begin the new life, that full life that you have promised me. I believe in you. 
I now put my trust in You. Teach me in the days to come what it means to live for You. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Church, would you give our new brothers and sisters a great big hand?